0: Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives. This is an up-close look at the students, faculty, and administrators who make your College unique. This weekly show shines a spotlight on the programs and people here at YCP. This week's host is Jeffrey Schiffman. Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives, and today we are going to be talking with the Your College Writer-in-Residence, Her name is Jessica Abel. Uh, Jessica, also, you are the chair of the illustration department at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, correct? Correct. All right. What are you? Uh, you, you, How would you describe yourself as, uh, do you describe yourself as an author, a cartoonist? or Where do you go with that? Uh, Primarily, I'm a cartoonist.
1: Uh, I'm also an author of prose books, so author is the catch-all. Cartoonist basically means that I make comics, uh, but I write and also draw them instead of like a comic book artist would be somebody who just draws comic book writer just writes but a cartoonist does the whole package what attracted you to that well comics are awesome so (laughs) there's that uh and basically that's that's the answer that i was reading a lot of comics as a teenager i didn't think about becoming a cartoonist initially um it just didn't just sort of never crossed my mind i guess um but when i was in college i discovered some some of the new underground comics at the time this is the late 80s and they really spoke to me um much more directly because i had been reading the kind of new edgy superhero things that were coming out in the 80s like dark knight and watchmen and i'd read mouse um those those all came out in the mid 80s and then but then when i started reading love and love and rockets and raw and other um more challenging literary comics uh it really it it was something that was a big turning point for me and and i sort of started to think i could do i want to do this this is something i want to do
0: did you jump right into that
1: uh kind of i mean (laughs) at the moment it didn't feel like it so much but um really within a year i was making comics and publishing a student anthology and Mm,
0: okay yeah so um You've been attracted to it. Obviously, you've been doing it m- most of your professional life you're teaching. When you teach it, what, what, are, you, what's the, what are you teaching to, this, to, this, to the potential future cartoonists?
1: Well, I am not teaching a lot of comics right now, but I have a long history of teaching comics. I taught at the School of Visual Arts in New York for 11 years or so, and I've written two textbooks on making comics called uh, Drawing Words and Writing Pictures and Mastering Comics. And um, my approach, our approach, because I co-wrote with my husband, Matt Madden, who's also a cartoonist, um, is to really focus on comics as a language, that there's a way in which the, um, although they're visual, it's not the same as making a painting, that the, the images carry meaning and they carry narrative, they carry action. And so thinking about how to break down those actions and put them together in a way that's meaningful and creates more than some of its parts, that's really how we approach it. So your level of drawing excellence is, I mean, it's a bonus, but it's not crucial. What's crucial is understanding the language and learning to do that. In fact, that's what I was doing in a way this morning in a class with um, creative nonfiction students and they weren't drawing anything. They were just doing the breakdowns. They were just doing panel by panel, what would happen here, what would happen here, in a way to understand how transitioning from one moment to the next moment can add meaning to um, the way that they're writing their prose.
0: So for what's your process? Uh, do you start with the narrative and then the pictures, or the pictures and then the narrative, or are you doing both of them together?
1: Well, that's an interesting question um, because Writing in comics involves planning, if not executing the images. You know, the images are writing. They are writing. They, they carry the narrative. Um, but that said, I think earlier on in my career, I didn't have any tools for, I didn't understand how I could literally write using pictures. And so it was really only fairly recently that I developed a methodology for doing something a little bit closer to that, which actually comes from Alison Bechdel, the author of Fun Home where i do what's called what i call visual scripting where i break down my script my panels and as i write in panels like in space again this is what i did this morning with these students in a much more sort of um at a basic level and um you know breaking down dialogue and description and narrative into space and so the description is telling me what am I gonna draw in this image? So whether or not I'm actually literally drawing at that moment, I am thinking very visually and how can I use the images to tell the story? So it's a simultaneous process. Although the actual drawing happens after, the visual thinking happens as you're doing the writing.
0: We were talking with Jessica Abel. She is the York College Writer-in-Residence and um, she's a cartoonist. But I, I, one of the things that also attracted me, because when I did some research, uh, this, uh, this idea of creative focus, I know you've done a lot of work with that. Can you explain exactly what, what that is and, and, and what the process is?
1: Right. So I actually have this um, very multifaceted career as so I'm a teacher and I'm an author and I'm also a coach. So that's the part that you're talking about where right. I work with mostly mid-career um, creative professionals to help them make space in their lives for the really big important projects that they know they need to do but they are not doing because everything else gets in the way so it's what i have to do as a creative and i've leaned on that and also i've been doing this now for three and a half or four years as a as a thing like you know i've done it for ages but like as a organized um process and i've learned an enormous amount from people i've worked with i've worked with. You know over 350 people at this point and um, seeing how all these different creative people go through the process of trying to sort out what's most important to them make sure that those things get on the calendar those things are the things that get done is um, really really it's been really eye-opening and interesting I have a book called growing gills which is not a comic it is a (laughs) prose book um, which is all about how to do that it's it's really a book that um, leads readers through at least the iteration of the process I had in 2017 when I finished the book that it leads people through the whole process of creating that space and making sure that the um the work you really want to be doing is what you're doing.
0: You you say that it's for mid-career professionals and and obviously creative sometimes you get you get blocked you you just can't come Is there applications that can be used for students just getting started or Absolutely.
1: That- Absolutely. I mean I think that the when I say that's who I work with. I mean, as a coach, that's who I work right. with. But this absolutely applies to students, and I teach it to my students at PAFa. Um, I teach this process of thinking about, you know, it, it's it's really bringing it's about bringing to the surface what are you actually doing with your time, and and getting you in a position where you are making conscious decisions about your time, so that you're not unconsciously rolling from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. You're not getting lost in Instagram for hours at a time, and then Getting done with that and going like, oh my god, what happened to my day? (laughs) You're not waiting till the night before to start your paper. You're not doing all these other things that are going to sabotage you. You're not staying up all night to finish work, and which is going to totally ruin you for two days. Like it's not, you know, if you're making decisions that foreground what is most important to you, what's most important to your um, scholastic career, your professional career, and you're putting those things first, and you're guarding that with your life it's gonna make a huge amount of difference. And so a ton of people I work with who are mid-career professionals just lament the fact that they didn't learn this as students. The only thing about working with students is that a lot, like being young often means you feel like you can get away with kind of anything as far as like (laughs) time. You're like, I'll just cram it in, it's fine. You know, I'll stay up and do some all-nighters, no problem. And there's the whole thing of feeling totally invincible that, that comes with youth, which is awesome but it also means that sometimes these issues don't feel that urgent. But um, if you're finding that you don't have, like things are not getting done the way you want to get them done, or there's big projects you want to work on that you're not working on, then it's absolutely this is something you need to, to to pay attention to.
0: Has it become more difficult to do that? I mean, you mentioned Instagram, you know, uh, Facebook, all all the. You know, there are so many distractions now that when we were younger that they didn't exist. Has it become more difficult to, for even for creatives? Oh, especially for for creatives. Yeah, Yeah.
1: no, I mean, I think it is more difficult in some senses in the sense that there are, you know, apps and, you know, games and all this stuff. They are literally designed to grab your attention. There are people who are paid money based on how much attention they grab. And if you have made a decision that you don't want your attention grabbed by these things. It's really difficult to defend that. On the other hand, I was able to waste just as much time in a completely analog world in the early nineties as people waste now. I, I literally do not know how I did it. I, I look back and I'm like, what was I doing with my day? Cause it wasn't Instagram and it wasn't, you know, like endless Googling. It wasn't hanging out, you know, like shopping on, on Amazon. It was none of that stuff. I don't know what I was doing, but wasting time has been something that is possible for people in general and creatives in particular for in time immemorial. So we're not alone.
0: All right. And we're talking with Jessica Abel. She is the YCP uh, writer in residence. I want to talk about one of your books uh, because it's a book that I've used, which, and and is really great. Uh, Out on the Wire, The Storytelling Secrets of the New Masters of Radio. What intrigued you about that? By the way, it is a uh, illustrated book. Uh, well, I don't know. It's a cartoon. It's a uh, visual uh, documentary. There, there you go. Okay. What I- what attracted you to that? I mean, what 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 you, you said to yourself? I'm going to do a book about uh, you know some of the new storytellers, some of the great. new That absolutely did not happen that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, this
1: the history of this book is kind of interesting, actually, because. It goes back to the late '90s, um, mid '90s, really. Like I was when I was living in Chicago in the mid '90s, I would do nonfiction reporting for a local um, free weekly paper called the New City on occasion. Um, and then in '98, I moved to Mexico City, um, and later on in '98, my phone rang in Mexico City, and I answered the phone, and it was Ira Glass on the phone. So that was shocking. That was a big surprise. I was actually a big fan of his already because I lived in Chicago and he was doing local radio sure. shows there before This American Life. Um, but Ira is well known in public radio circles for coming up with really interesting pledge drive premiums, things that make <laughs> the pledge drive less horrible. Okay. Um, and Smart this, man then. Yeah, he's very smart. He does really cool stuff. It's very funny. And his idea that time was like, let's make a comic book about how This American Life is made and he actually had and i'm going to talk about this in my talk this evening um and do a little bit more detail in it but basically he asked me to work on this book um with ha- you know for him with him whatever so we collaborated on the the structure and a little bit of the script and then i put the whole thing together and it was a 32 page is a 32 page comic book so a floppy comic book comic book you can still order it from this american life cheap paper yeah no it was good paper actually good paper. it was okay. good paper it was actually <laughs> nicely produced but um it's still available
0: that's because it was a premium right
1: it was a premium because i was in charge (laughs) so like i was in charge of printing it and making sure that it got done so it's it's done nicely um but it's still available via their website as a pdf and as a print book um and the sort of actionable bits of it are actually the preface of this book uh out on the wire so this came out in 1999 and what it does is you it walks you through the um production stages of This American Life. Not so much the content as the, um, you know, what do they literally do to put a narrative, scripted narrative audio piece together. And at the time, and still really, it's, it was the only thing out there talking about how to do this. And everybody was fascinated with This American Life. And if this American Life was kind of the seed from which all of this narrative audio has grown.
0: Absolutely. It
1: not is. the only seed, but uh, it's, very it important.
0: was the biggest seed.
1: Well, I'm influenced by Ira, who always wants to spread the, <laughs> spread the credit. But anyway, That's okay. um, it was very, very important, but people have taken it in tons of different directions, which, is, interestingly, he predicted in the last panel of Radio and Illustrated Guide, which is the name of that comic. He's like, people could go in all different directions with this. And then they did. And so the upshot of that is that this book even though it was only available via this american life's website continued selling for 10 years you know it continues to sell now because people who were teaching um or trying to learn this were buying it and so i would get royalty checks like that's weird right like and and i would meet people who had been so influenced by that book that they had become radio producers you know i met several people over the years who were like oh my god jessica abel i can't believe it you changed my life." this is not a thing that happens to cartoonists very often. So I took notice and um, realized there was interest and, you know, not incidentally, a market for work about what's going on in audio. And so this was very, like, this was pre-podcast boom that I started working on the book. Um, I think if I'd named it now, I would have said, you know, the best producers in podcasting, because people would like click that more, but I still hate the word podcasting. It's such a dumb
0: word except that we just use it all the time. Uh, yeah, well, unfortunately it has become part of the vernacular. It just is what it is, yeah. right? I still like the word radio better. Anyway. Uh, me too.
1: <laughs> so that's why it's called that. But there are all the people in the book are also podcasters obviously. Um and so the book Out on the Wire is not although it contains I I use the sort of technical pieces of uh radio and illustrated guide to run people through like this is literally how they're making the show. Like these are the steps. But that's just a preface. And then it's really about what are the elements of great storytelling that make these stories so good? Like, why are the stories great? Which, for me, makes this an even more um, interesting and valuable book because it's not only about radio. It's not only about podcasting. It can be used for any kind of storytelling in any medium. Um, It's focused on nonfiction storytelling um, and usually character-centered storytelling. But I've actually used tools from this for everything literally. And that's, this is actually exactly what I'm going to talk about this evening and reveal a lot of very embarrassing stuff from my history. So you don't want to miss that.
0: Okay. Well, well that's a good, good way to end and a good segue because I want you to give away any of the tales. Uh, Jessica Abel, um, YCP uh, writer at residence. Thank you very much. Really, really appreciate you joining us. Uh, I, I, I enjoy it. I use the book. Uh, it was a great read for me the first time through. Uh, And I was like, as I was reading, I was like, "Uh, you know what? Uh, There's lots of things I can use in a classroom here. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I'm really glad you could get something out of it. Thanks for joining us for WVYC's Perspectives. The program airs weekly on Mondays and Fridays at nine o'clock. Public affairs program is also available as a podcast at WVYC.podbean.com. Jeffrey Schiffman serves as the executive director of Perspectives. We hope you join us again for this in-depth look at the York College community.